Well, good morning, everyone. My name's Dwayne, I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so glad that you've come out, and I hope you'll reach into your program, reach in there carefully, because there's a lot of stuff in there. Pull your outline out and follow along and take some notes. You ever been sitting there getting ready for the service, you pull everything out, and it all winds up on the floor? We don't do that on purpose, but I was just giving you a warning, all right? You want to take some notes today? I'm excited about this series, and uh, when I saw this, this title, I was assigned this message, Remember to Forget, I thought, that is a really strange title. Because I don't have any problem forgetting. I don't know about you guys, but my wife and I, we were talking this week. We've forgotten keys. We've forgotten cups of coffee on top of the car. We've forgotten kids at the church. Uh, we've gotten home. Hey, where are our kids? I thought you had them. Oh, we had to go back. I'm not, I'm not kidding. And we were sharing some stories. And uh, she had the best story for this week. She's a, um, a junior high English teacher at Fremont Christian School. And she's uh, teaching extra classes this year. And uh, she's just overwhelmed. She's working 11, 12-hour days. And by the end of the week, you know, she's forgetting all kind of stuff. And she goes to teach her class uh, one day, sixth, grade, sixth graders, Thursday or Friday. She goes to pull out the assignment. And she realized she copied all the assignments for that week except for that one class. So she, see, she lines up all her sixth graders, marches them down to the teacher resource room because she didn't have an aide, and says, hands against the wall, you know, so they don't touch anything while she's making the copies, makes the photocopies, gets back to the classroom, hands them all out, and then she realizes it was next week's assignment. <laughs> so she said, okay, everybody, we're going to play some truth or dare now. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy to remember things. It's easy to forget, but there's some things you and I we need to forget that we kind of hold on to, and that's what we're going to be looking at together today. We're in this series called Game Changers, and we've been highlighting some key lessons from the book of Philippians from, from Paul. Paul was in prison, and uh, he wrote to encourage the church in Philippi. And you think about it, Paul's in prison, and he's still committed to being in the game, to doing whatever he can to be a game changer. He didn't make excuses, and we're reading what he wrote there in prison today. And we've been talking about this idea of a game changer, and a game changer is somebody whose choices and actions change the outcome. You make positive choices regardless of the circumstances. You find solutions and you jump in. Paul wrote Philippians to remind us of some important things that we need to remember, but he also wrote Philippians to remind us of some things we need to forget, some things we need to remember to forget. And so two weeks ago, Pastor Paul kind of unpacked some things from Philippians 1, talked about living a life with no excuses, and he said a game changer chooses solutions over excuses. And he challenged us to, to not make excuses, whatever's going on in our life, but to step up and be a game changer for someone. And in Philippians 2, last week, Pastors Paul and Karen, they shared uh, the, this idea that uh, you know, a game changer chooses to put the team first over self. So I, I really like sports, and I, I chose to wear a Warriors jersey today. We're in this Game Changer series because my favorite team of all time of any sport is the Warriors, especially two or three years back when Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Klay Thompson, man, just the way they played so unselfishly. They didn't care who got the glory each game. They passed that ball around. Whoever was hot, they kept throwing it to them, and they wanted to change the game. by They'd identify the Game Changer and use them to win the game. Now, if we've been, as we've been in this series, maybe you're wondering, well, what, what are you talking about the game? What is the game? And basically, it's this idea that God has given each one of us a life to live. We've got a life to live. The earth is like our game board. And what are you going to do with your life? Jesus came to change our life, to be a game changer in our, our lives. And he's called us to live lives of significance and impact. 
And so today we're going to look at Philippians 3. Some lessons from Philippians 3. Paul says there's some things you need to forget. And I want you to write this down. Game changers don't allow their past to dictate their present nor their future. Game changers don't allow their past to dictate their present nor their future. You know, we all have things in our past that we wish we could go back and undo. We all have things we're not proud of. And the most damaging failures in your life, you can't get over them by d- focusing on them. I mean, there's a time and a place. Sometimes you've got to sit down and work through some stuff with a counselor. But at some point, you've got to shift your focus from your past, and you've got to look into the future. You can't move forward focusing in the rearview mirror. That's a sure way to crash. Focusing whenever whatever happened, whatever you did in the past or someone did to you, that's just going to hold you back. And I encourage you, just for a moment, what are some of the things that pop in your head? What are some things that you think about that you just, you, sometimes you, you start dwelling on it and you wish you could forget it. You wish you could undo it. I mean, over 25 years ago, I went through a divorce that I didn't want. And I had some people in my life said, I don't know if you can be a pastor now. I mean, that's what I trained for, prepared for. And I didn't know either. But you know, I had a pastor friend pull me aside and he said, I believe God called you to be a pastor and I believe he's not through with you yet. And don't quit. Don't focus on your past. Look to the future. God's not through with you. You know, there's, there's some, in some times, man, when my wife and I get into an argument and I said something that I wish I didn't say. And you can't take that back. You can't undo that. And man, I'm like, man, what? How could I have said that? Or you get mad at your kids or, you know, you're in traffic and you uh, think some bad thoughts about someone, right? You're like, man, what kind of person am I? How can I say that? How can I think that? And the truth is we all have got some baggage. And I want you to write this down. Paul said, you know, there's some, there's some positive baggage some of us are relying on too. And that's what we're going to look at first because he says nothing you've done can earn God's favor. Nothing you've done. See, Paul was writing to Philippians, some people had come to the church, and they said, you've got to be religious enough. You've got to play the religious game in order to please God. You've got to do everything just right. And they really focused on this idea of circumcision, that that you had to be circumcised to to show that you were um, one of God's children. And I encourage you, read through Philippians this week, read chapter 3. And Paul warned the church about these people. He said, it's not about what you do. It's not about what you do. It's not your actions that make you right with God. In fact, Paul said, you want to brag about how religious you are and how good you are? He says, I'm better than you. Paul said, I'm better than any of you. He said, said, watch out for these dogs who say, focus on your actions. And And these people who say, I'm not that bad. I'm pretty good. And he went on to say this. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Paul's like, man, sounds a little arrogant, but then he, he, it's, it's not there on your outline. You can read this, but he says, man, I, I, was, I played by the rules. I was born in the right family, the right, right religious family. My parents did everything right. I was raised knowing the law. I follow the law. I'm a member of the Pharisees. I'm one of the most religious, righteous people you could know, if that's what you want to make it all about. And then look at verse 7. He says, I once thought these things were valuable. I once thought I could count on these things in my past, all these things I'd done. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. 
Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Do you underline that phrase? Infinite value of knowing Christ. Man, Paul said, all these things I've done, all my accomplishments, they're nothing compared to what Jesus did and knowing him. And he says, for his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Knowing Christ Jesus. Paul said that's what his life was now about. That's what his ministry and his mission was all about. And he said, you've got to remember to forget all the things that you were so proud of. Because no matter how good you think you were, you weren't good enough. And Paul says, you aren't even as good as me. And maybe, maybe that's why you're here today. You have a hunger to know God. That's why we're here as a church. We want to share God. We want to share Christ with people who don't know him. Maybe you're here today. You're just... You're struggling, you're crying out something in you. You know that God is there and you want to know him. Maybe you've been following him, but you want to know him better. And that's the right mission to be on. But sometimes we, I believe God created all of us to know him. And there's, when we don't know God, there's like this emptiness inside. Someone called it a God-shaped hole. And we fill it up with so many other things. We get busy. Some of the things are good, but they're not going to satisfy that part that only God can satisfy we, we get busy with careers or family or enjoying life, partying, pleasure, whatever it might be. Paul, Paul said the most important thing is knowing Christ. It's the most valuable thing. That compared, compared to knowing Christ, everything else is not important. And he said there's nothing you can do to earn God's favor. You can't be religious enough. You can't be good enough. And uh, if you read, there's another passage where Paul says, hey, I worked harder than all the other disciples. I mean, I, I don't, he sounds a little arrogant to me, you know, saying, man, I'm good, but I can't count on that. He said he worked harder than all the others. But if you want to be a game changer, you can't carry that baggage around. You can't rely on your own past. Paul said to be a game changer, you've got to put Christ first. You've got to rely on him. It starts with relying on Christ. But to be fair to Paul, <laughs> you read some other things Paul wrote, and he sounds a little schizophrenic to me. He says, oh, you're not as good as me. But look what he wrote to Timothy three years later in 1 Timothy. Write this down first. He says, nothing you've done is greater than God's grace. Nothing you've done is greater than God's grace. Number two on your outline there. And he, he, he was writing to Timothy, his, his young protege, his disciple. He says, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and then he said this, and I am the worst of them all. <laughs> I mean, he told, just told us he's the most religious, righteous person, right? Well, now he says, I'm the worst of them all. He said, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Why did Paul say he was the worst? He wrote about it in that chapter. If you read that chapter, he says, he says even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. So that I, the name, we sang, the, what a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. You know, the Bible says that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day we're all going to stand before God. We're all going to recognize fully who Jesus is. But Paul said, I blasphemed the name of Jesus. I tore him down. I, I said he's a just the worst. And he says, I, not only that, but I persecuted his people. And Paul said, man, I'm the worst of sinners. And it's kind of funny if you think about Paul's life in, in this one guy's life. 
God took someone better than you and me and someone worse than you and me to show us the breadth of his mercy and grace. He took someone that was so religious and so righteous and keeping the letter of the law, but he also took someone who was a big sinner to be an example for us. True story, in, in the Philippines, there was a cardinal. He had the unfortunate name, uh, Cardinal Sin. That was his last name, true story, <laughs> Cardinal Sin. But when he was a younger man, he was a bishop. And uh, in, his, in his parish, there was this lady, and she was claiming to have visions of God. And so the church hierarchy, they took this kind of serious, and they told Bishop Sin, hey, you've got to find out if this is true or not. You've got to investigate. She can't just go around telling people she's seeing Jesus. And so he's, he looked into it. He called a meeting with this lady, and he said, uh, ma'am, here's what I want you to do. The next time you see Jesus, I want you to ask him what I did, what what." I did as a young priest, and I want you to tell me. Come back and tell me. And so a few months go by, he runs into this lady, and he sees her, and he says, well, have you seen Jesus anymore? She said, I sure have. Bishop Sin, I've seen him. Well, did you ask him about my sin? And she said, I sure did. And the, and the bishop said, well, what did he say? And she said, he said, I forgot. I forgot. I don't remember it anymore. I forgot. God doesn't want you to carry that around. Paul, Paul said he was the worst sinner, but God forgave him for that and allowed him to get in the game and be a game changer. This, this cardinal sin who, who played a big role in part of the Philippines' history, he said, man, I had this sin in my life that only I knew, God knew, and the priest I confessed it to. And I figured if she saw Jesus, he would be able to tell her. And he forgot. Now, I don't know if Jesus literally forgets. I don't know if God can forget stuff. I think what he's really saying is he doesn't hold those things against you. They're not, he doesn't count them against you anymore. He, he's released your debt. You're free from that. He doesn't look at you that way anymore, that you're that kind of sinner. Now, I've carried a backpack around on the stage before with all the weight of things that hold you down, but I wanted to give you some examples of some things, what I'm talking about, some things that you've got to remember to forget. And uh, <clears throat> I stole one of my kids' track trophies because I'm not very fast. <laughs> But, uh, you know, some, some of you, you know, we're thinking, man, I'm pretty good. Look at me. I go to church. I put some money in the plate. I serve a little bit. I help out. I'm not a bad person. Look at all this. And we're kind of relying on our own accomplishments. We rely on what we've done. Now, this is a real trophy that I got back in 2006. Al, you remember this one because Al was my coach. He was my dance coach. It says, 2006, best dancer. <laughs> now, I'm really proud of this one. I'll tell you why because... I'm really a terrible dancer, but I got this award because I had the guts to participate and help and uh, let people laugh at me and have fun in the service, right, Al? So I got the best. I'm proud of this trophy. That's legit. I won that one. So you can't rely on that past stuff, but man, then we all carry around some dirty laundry, right? Whew. I should have actually just brought some clean stuff. This <laughs> Okay. We all got some dirty laundry, and we carry this stuff, some things we've done, some things we're ashamed of, and you know, we think, man, I should, I should help out. At, oh, I don't know. Could God use me? I, I've done some bad things. I'm a bad person. I blow it. Or maybe somebody's done some bad stuff to you. Confiscated one of my kids' knives at one point, and I don't know why they had this, but, you know, maybe you've got some wounds in your past. That's a whole other message, but maybe you've got some wounds. And you say, you know, i got this stuff in my past. I don't feel good about myself. I, I can't, 
I can't, God couldn't use me. I couldn't be a game changer. What could I do? How could I help out? How could God use me? And you kind of, some of you walked in here today, you kind of walked into church like this, kind of backwards. You're a little bit focusing on what's behind you. And God wants you to move forward. He wants you to look at what he's done for you. See, God wants you to bring your dirty laundry to him. He wants you to confess all your failures, all your mistakes, all the mess that you are and that I am. And he wants to clean us up. He wants to forgive you. He wants to free you. Jesus is the game changer. There's nobody else. There's no other name where you can come to and be forgiven and free and cleaned up. And then God took somebody like Paul, somebody who was as messed up as you and me, twisted in his thinking, persecuting the church. And God took somebody like Paul, and I think next to Jesus, Paul's the greatest game changer the world has known. And Paul said, Paul realized you can't win the game without Jesus in your life. But with Jesus in your life, anybody can be a game changer. And God wants to change your focus. How do you change your focus when you're stuck looking at things in, in the past? How do you let go of those things? Well, write this down. Number three, you've got to focus. You've got to press on God's calling on your life. Yeah, press on God's calling. You know, you think about in basketball, somebody like Clay Thompson, <laughs> sometimes he's having a bad game. He's missing shot after shot after shot. And, you know, they ask him, well, what do you do? You, he said, you can't remember that. You can't focus on that. You just have to keep, the team's relying on me. You have to keep shooting. You have to keep being in the game. And here's what Paul said. Back to Philippians. He said, I can't rely on my accomplishments. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. But he says, I press on to possess. Possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. He says, I'm trying to become better. I'm trying to follow Jesus. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. He says, remember to forget that stuff that's holding you back, your achievements that you're relying on and your failures, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. You might circle that phrase, forgetting the past. I focus on one thing. I press ahead. And I was thinking, that's easy to say. Um, I'm not a very good golfer. I'm okay. But, uh, you know, I, I make the same dumb mistakes sometimes. And you start thinking, like, one of the things you learn is you have these thoughts, like, don't swing too fast. Don't swing. And you learn, and they tell you, don't think, don't think about what you don't want to do. Now you're focusing on the past. Think about what you do want to do. So you got to think, oh, swing nice and steady, swing easy, swing through, follow through. Don't think don't, think do. Does that make sense? You want to you replace. See, when you're trying to get rid of some bad thoughts, some negative thoughts, you're trying to get rid of your obsession with the past, you need to think about what you're trying to replace it with, that replacement principle. Man, I don't want to focus on my past. I want to focus on my future with Jesus in my life. Paul says, don't focus on your past. Focus on Christ and what he's called you to. God is calling each one of us to take our best shot and get in the game. Now, I thought it might, you know, at first I thought it's a little trivial to call our life a game. Like we're in this game and we're game changers. But look, even Paul was into sports. He talks about running the race and getting the prize. He knew people could identify with that. 
the finish line. And Paul says our finish line is heaven. God's calling us towards heaven. And one day we'll be made complete and perfect. And not only when we cross that finish line, man, I think part of the prize is one day we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven and there's some people there because we got in the game and we did our part and we worked at changing the game. Take some people with you. That's the prize. God's team. You know, when, when you invite Christ into your life, the Bible says God puts you in his family, Christ's body. We're, we're all important. We're all essential. You could think of it as Christ's family, the church. We're God's team. And your team needs everyone. You know, one of my kids was playing on his high school basketball team. And uh, when I was in high school, I, I already told you I was slow. I could shoot good. I could pass good. I knew how to play, but I was too slow. I also couldn't jump. I had the white man's disease, so I couldn't jump. And uh, so... You know, but I'm watching my son. He's, he's doing pretty good. He's getting better. I'm watching him plays on the JV team. And um, they would pass him the ball. They'd work a play. He'd be wide open, and he would get the ball, and he would kind of hesitate. You know, if you hesitate, then the defense recovers. He's not open anymore. Then he would have to pass it. They'd get him open again. He'd hesitate. His teammates started yelling at him, shoot the ball, shoot the ball. After the game, I said, son, what? your team kept working, you know, working plays. You, why didn't you take the shot? So said, well, I was afraid I might miss. I said, well, you can't think like that. Your team's counting on you. You're thinking about, we all miss some shots. We all blow it sometimes, but you can't think about your past. Your team needs you to step up and take the shot. And I'm telling you right now, the church is your team, and the church needs you to take the shot. Some of you are holding back because of your past. You think, I've done enough, or God can never use me. Some of you are holding back because of your age. You think, oh, I'm too young. God couldn't use me. I'm not ready. You know, we got teenagers helping teach our children next door. We got teenagers on our worship team. We got teenagers on the welcome team. There's things you can do. Some of you are thinking, oh, I'm too old. I already did my part. Look at here's somebody else's time. You know, if you're still here, God's not done with you. <laughs> if you're not dead, God's not done, all right? There's no retirement for old people. All right, when I, as we get older, I've seen it. I grew up in the church. Man, a lot of people, they work hard. They, they work hard in their work. They work hard in the church. They raise their kids. As soon as they retire, they quit everything. Oh, now's my time. I'm just going to kick back. No, now you actually got time to use all your abilities, all your wisdom. You might not have as much energy, but use all your wisdom, right? Now you got time to really do something. Don't, don't sit back because you're too young or you're too old or you're not ready. Man, jump in the game. You're only going to learn how to play, how to take the shots when you get in the game. Some of you aren't in the game because of your past. You're ashamed of something you've done or something someone did to you. And you think, oh, God couldn't use me. I'm not good enough or I can't do things well. You know what? If God can use me, if God can use Paul, God can use you. Get in the game. Some of you are holding back. You kind of feel a little shy because you think, well, I'm not the right I'm not from the right culture or the right race. I'm not like other people around me. Believe me, in Fremont, I'm not either. <laughs> we need you. I've got neighbors who aren't from this, they're not, they're not from this culture. And I'm trying my best to figure out how to build bridges with them, but I, I don't know. I need your help. I need, I, we need everybody to get on this team. God created all of you to be a game changer. He's called all of you to be a game changer. God wants us to let go of our preferences and our comfort and our baggage and our past. And for what I love even more, Jesus and leading seekers to love him. Paul says, forget the past. 
Forget the shots you missed. Forget the mistakes you made. Forget the championships you won. I want you to get in the game now, and I've called you to be a game changer with me because people around us desperately need to know about the game changer. They need to know about Jesus. Paul says, forget all that stuff, but focus on one thing. Press ahead. And there's one thing he said, don't forget. He says, never forget how Jesus changed the game. That's your last fill in there. Never forget how Jesus changed the game. You know, we have the privilege as, as living thousands of years after Jesus, we have the privilege of looking back and reading the Old Testament through the lens or the filter of the New Testament. We can see some things in the Old Testament. I don't know if they totally understood. And I, I, I love this chapter in Psalm 103. And the writer says this, Let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise His holy name. May I never forget the good things He does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Let me stop there for a second. Man, He forgives all your sins. He forgives all your junk. He cleans up all your baggage. Since he heals all your diseases. You know, some of our diseases aren't going to get healed here on earth. But we're promised when we go to heaven one day, we're going to have new bodies. No more suffering and sickness and decay. That's like the, when we cross that finish line. We're made perfect, completely perfect in Christ. God sees us as perfect now, but then we're going to be made perfect. And we're going to be there in heaven. And then the writer goes on to say this. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He's removed our sins as far as from the east is from the west. Man, Paul, Paul writes years later, don't forget what Jesus has done for you. And right now, as the church family, as God's team, we're going to share communion together. The ushers are going to come and pass out the elements. Go ahead, ushers. And uh, as the tray comes by, Make sure when you reach into the compartment, there's two cups kind of nestled together. So two cupper. Pull that out. Make sure you get both of them. Thank you. And uh, while they're passing that out, I just want to talk to you a moment about what this means. Jesus didn't want us to focus on our past either and our sins and our mess. He wanted us to focus on what he did for us on the cross, how he changed the game of our life. And so when we share this together, you, when, in just a moment, you're going to separate the two cups. You'll look in the bottom. There's a little, uh, little cracker represents some bread. The, Jesus said the bread represents my body, which is broken for you, broken on the cross. The juice represents my blood that was shed for the forgiveness of your sins. I pay, Jesus said, I paid the penalty for your sins. And I don't want you to ever forget it. What Jesus did on the cross is the game changer. And maybe you're here today and you're not sure about it. You've never taken that step. You know, you, you could say right now, God, I know I've blown it. I know I've sinned. I, I know I've failed. I'm, I'm sorry. And I want to put my trust in Jesus today. And I want to declare my faith. And I want to, I want to share in communion with this, this church family. And you can, you can say, God, please, best I know how, come into my life. Forgive me. Jesus said, remember him and what he's done, because that's, that's everything. He says, Paul says, focus ahead, looking forward to what Christ has called us to do. 
Some of you, you came in here with some baggage, and Jesus wants you to, he wants to take it away from you. He wants you to let it go. He wants you to lay it down. You got the same tape playing in your head, the same song, and he wants to give you a new soundtrack for your life. I want to ask you just a moment as ushers are finishing up. Just bow your heads for a moment. If you haven't gotten your um, cups yet, keep your eyes open and watch for the tray. But just think for a moment. What is, it, what is it in your life that's holding you back? It's keeping you from moving forward. Is it some sin? Something someone did to you? Is it a sense like, I'm just not good enough? Or, or maybe you think you've done enough. Maybe it's pride or selfishness. You just don't want to be bothered. I, I'm too busy. Let me tell you, Jesus was not too busy to come down to this earth and live and die for you so that you could be forgiven to change the game of your life forever. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of life that you've given us in Christ that we can't even fathom really what it fully means. We're just grateful, Jesus, that you, you chose to leave the comforts of heaven. You didn't look down at us and go, those people are so messed up. They can't stop sinning. What difference is it going to make? You came, you came and went all in. You laid down your life for us on the cross. And because you didn't sin, you were raised back to life. Because you didn't deserve to die. You died in our place. And Jesus, help us to fully embrace and understand what you've done for us. And help us to get in the game and do what you've called us to do. Help us to press on for that heavenly prize. The finish line. Living with the end in mind. Living for your sake and your glory and for those around us who need to know you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, if you take the bread, Jesus said, you know, take this. When you, when you do this, remember me. Remember my body, which was broken for you, and just take that with me. And he said, drink this. Remember my blood, which was shed for you. It's why we exist as a church. We're here because of Jesus, because he's the game changer. Our, our vision is we want to lead seekers to love Christ, love others, and live life on purpose. It's really the only game that really matters. Paul didn't make excuses. He was sitting in prison, and he said, how can I make a difference? And what's your excuse? We try our best to make it so easy for you. You got the backstage pass the day after the service. You got a first-time serve sheet in your program. Take a risk. Step out. Get involved. Get in the game. Maybe you're busy serving already. Thank you. You got handouts in your program. Anybody can invite someone to come to church with them in a couple weeks. Man, your team needs you. you got, we're waiting on you to take your shot. There's a lot of people in this community. They desperately need to know Jesus and let me tell you, we don't have enough people to talk to all of them. We need you. Crossroads has been a game changer for 24 years. We've, God's used us to help change thousands of lives, probably lives we don't even know about as it's rippled across. But he's not through. And he wants us to step up and make that difference.